This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. Rags to Riches is coming with a four-wide sweep, and Tiago is in behind them. And at the top of the stretch, a filly is in front of the Belmont, but Carlin is right there with her. These two in a battle of the sexes in the Belmont Stakes. It is Carlin on the inside, Rags to Riches on the outside. A desperate finish, Rags to Riches and Carlin. They're coming down to the wire. It's going to be very close, and it's going to be a filly in the Belmont. Rags to Riches has beaten Carlin and a hundred years of Belmont history. The first Philly to win it in over a century. That's the legendary Tom Durkin with that memorable call of Rags to Riches defeating Curlin in the Test of the Champion. But that historic victory wasn't enough to get her voted into the Hall of Fame last year. Will she and others who were left out last year get their plaque in Saratoga this season? Plus, with Arlington Park closed and Churchill struggling to find firm footing with their new turf course, is it time for Prairie Meadows to install a grass racing service? And how strong will the older horse division be looking ahead to 2024? Those topics and much, much more are straight ahead on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf writer Tim Wilkin. And it's all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. And it all starts just 30 seconds from right now. Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu equine. All right, well, Dale and Tim are coming at this show from completely different climates. Tim is freezing up in New York. Dale is a bit warmer in South Florida. Timmy, I don't know what you're thinking. I think you need to head down to South Florida, get with Dale at Gulfstream, and we'll do the show live from Gulfstream Park. That's a nice idea, but um, our uh, southern friend seems to think that it's pretty cool down there in the old Sunshine State. That's how spoiled I've gotten over the years. Thirty years of being down here, this is the worst weather I've seen in, in thirty years in the winter down here. And everybody agrees with me. It's been overcast and cloudy, but it is sixty-eight degrees, so it's a little better than everywhere else in the country. You still, you still got the air conditioner going or not? Oh yeah, it's air conditioner's on, and, and, the, and your bed's made. Come on, I always tell you, come on down. <laughs> you know, one of these days I'm going to show up at your doorstep, and you're going to be shocked. Now, come on. You can binge watch Gunsmoke together. Yeah, this show's messing with a good episode. Chester just got hit in the head with some brass knuckles. <laughs> are you are you a Doc fan? Mm, I love Doc. He's good, too. I like Chester, though. And Miss Kitty, you like her, the bar owner? Oh, yeah, she's good. I always thought That's she and Marshall had something going on there, didn't they? Yeah, no, no fooling. Yes, for sure. <laughs> But you know, back in the back in the day, they didn't really talk too much about it. No, you gotta a love of, a good madam. A lot of wink, wink. Yeah. Well, Dale, Tim, I was more, they I both was more partial you... to the rifleman myself. Right, that's not bad either. I watched the episode of that last night. Yeah, that was a good show. That was yeah. a good show. 
Dale and Tim brought the brass knuckles out for this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer. We're going to dive into it. And our first topic, guys, comes via email from Dennis in California. I know how much you enjoy getting questions from our listeners. With Arlington Park now closed, would it be smart for Prairie Meadows in Iowa to install a nice, lush turf course? Dennis feels that this would create bigger fields and more options for trainers with increased opportunities for shippers. Dale, what say you? Should Prairie Meadows install a turf course? You know, a nice turf course is a good idea for any place, but Prairie Meadows is a unique situation. You know, they're mostly funded by the casino there at the racetrack, and they don't have a whole lot of handle. they got a lot of other issues to deal with, I think, before they worry about the turf course. Love the place. It's a nice little place, and it seems like people should be betting it more. But uh, it's a good idea. So Maybe somewhere down the road it could happen. Good ideas are are great. Whether it comes to fruition is another thing. I mean, I mean Prairie Meadows is it's a unique track. Um, they run thoroughbreds and quarter horses there. There's only eighty. Last year they only had eighty race dates, and they go what? I think it's uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And once Arlington closed, I mean that opened the door for Colonial. They got all the Arlington, the big races there for the grass and. You know, it costs a lot of money to put a turf course in. And I don't know if they'd get, uh, if they were to, you know, maybe start off and say, yeah, let's put a turf course in. I mean, the one at Churchill cost $10 million. They wanted, and look at the problems they've had already. Um, I think that uh, it's a noble idea, but I don't think it's practical that um, they would do that in Prairie Meadows. I mean, are they really going to get a lot of shippers out there for grass races there? I know that the big races they have at Prairie Meadows, the uh, Iowa Oaks and the Cornhusker, with Dale won last year with uh, Giant Game, correct? Yes. And, um, you know, but I just don't know if if, the, if a grass program would work out there. Um, at Colonial, they, 80% of the races they have around grass and and I think the shippers that went to Arlington are going there now. I mean, that's, uh, I just don't think it would work. I think it would work. It's just a matter of would it move the needle enough to make it worth the expense. And, and uh, but they, they, they've got the best chemical company in the world owned by Dennis Allball based right there, chairman of the board of, uh, of Prairie Meadows. And if anybody could grow grass, he could do it. Do they have the room for a turf course, Dale? I think it. I think it's a mild curl course, so being seven eighths is like Churchill. Mm-hmm. They can make it work, but it's like I say, it's very expensive, and you know they need to get their paramutuals paying for itself before they start worrying about expanding anything. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, Dennis in California. We thank you for the email. If you have a question or a topic you want Dale and Tim to debate. Simply send it in to us, Mike at horseracingradio.net, and we'll do our best to work it into the show going forward. Topic two. Guys, it was last year at this time that we discussed what appeared to be a lack of strength in the older horse division. Looking ahead, Tim, I'll come to you first. How strong does that division appear to be in 2024? You know, Mike, it's awful hard to predict that in January, what we're going to be seeing with the older horse division. I mean, on paper, it looks like there's some names out there that uh, would be appealing. I mean, today uh, they're having the Louisiana Stakes at Fairgrounds, and Saudi Crown, who won the um, Pennsylvania Derby's 
the favorite in that race, even though he didn't run well in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It might have been too far too soon for him in that one, but you know he could be a player and also smile happy, who's making his um, first start. I think that's the Foster is, is going to be in this race too. Uh, who knows what he Red Route One, who's been a hard knocker, is in this race. But there's others that uh, you know that um, it's a division that can be very intriguing. You know, White Abario, who who who's going to take a lot of consideration for last year's Horse of the Year is involved. Is going to be involved where, you know, whether he runs, uh, how much he runs in the U.S. I don't know, but um, you know, he's he's heading to Saudi, and you know, the names like Arabian Night and National Treasure are running back and um, Disarm, who's second in the Travers, hasn't raced since then. He's he's going to be around. So I think there's a potential to be a pretty good group. Well, well whether that happens, we'll see. Yeah, it's a wide barrel division for sure right now. But uh, you're right. It depends on who steps up. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Pegasus next week and, and how that race unfolds and the race in Louisiana. Um, a lot of good op- good opportunities out there for some horses to make names for themselves. You know, Every year you see uh, one of those three-year-olds that were just under the radar during the Triple Crown, staying around from four and end up stepping up and being a good horse. And, but there's a lot of interesting horses out there running. But White Barrios division right now, he's leading the way. And, you know, the uh, older Philly division, oh, the Philly and Mare division might be a little stronger. I mean, if uh, if that stays together, Emilio Maddox still in training. Goodnight Owl, pretty mischievous, randomized. Nest supposedly is going to be coming back. So, um I think potentially the, the the gals might be stronger than the males, but like Dale said, and I agree with him, Moita Barrio looks to be the class of the division. Another one I forgot was uh, Bright Future, who won the Jack Club Gold Cup last year for Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 he might be something that uh, improves as he gets older. So, you know, it's always good to have a good older horse division and a, a good um, competitive division is really good for racing. It gives people uh, the other option rather than just to w- want to watch the three-year-olds. Yeah, and among the probables for that Pegasus World Cup next weekend, we'll be talking about the Pegasus card on this program a week from now, but horses like Dynamic One and Hoist the Gold, who won the Cigar Mile, maybe National Treasure for Bob Baffert, uh, New York Traffic, O'Connor, Skippy Longstocky from the barn of, of Safi Joseph Jr., trademark for Vicky Oliver, uh, first mission for Brad Cox. Those are horses that are among the probables, but they're not guys. They're not names that really stand out to you when you start thinking about a really strong older horse division. They're not Holy Bull. They're not Cigar. They're not Gunrunner. Right? I mean, they're not Curlin. They're, they're not those kinds of historic names that we've seen over the years. But they have a chance no. to be. <clears throat> right. They may you be know. historic by the end of the year. I mean, they could be. Yeah. They they might just come out of the gate blazing you know some of these horses improve so much over a, a season i mean and i'm not saying there's a gun runner in there by any means but there there could be a horse that jumps out and <clears throat> takes the division by the horns and and becomes a uh you know a, a major major player so it, it's important i think for the for the fans and the players to really really keep an eye on how these horses develop mm-hmm. yeah yeah, well, we'll see how this all plays out throughout 2024. So big early season races for the older horse division coming up today and into next week. 
All right, it is that time of the show where we say hello to our good friend Nick Zito, and you guys get to tell me if the following statement is right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong? All right, Nikki, let's see what they think. Over the past couple of seasons, Churchill Downs has struggled to find consistency with its new turf course, which was installed in 2021, causing the number of turf races to be limited. Senior Director of Communications Darren Rogers recently said that after the fall meet ended, they realized the causation was that the roots were not going deep enough and growing deep enough into the the growing medium. That's the technical description of, of what was going on with that turf course. The problem has seemingly been resolved. And, and guys, I say racing fans and horsemen should be optimistic about the turf course for the upcoming spring meet. Am I right or wrong on that one? What do you think? Right or wrong? Dale, you're a Churchill guy. What do you think? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, we should be optimistic, 100%. Uh, they, you know, they, they have spared no expense. Of course, put $10 million on to get it to put it in to begin with. But they spared no expense to try to get it right. I was up there around Christmas, and I went in. The whole thing was white. They had covered it with this special dirt. I brought these machines in to inject the dirt deeper so the roots could get deeper. Believe me, if it can be fixed, Churchill's going to fix it. And I'm confident that we'll have a nice turf course to run on this spring. Well, I hope that they do. I mean, it's uh, it, it's been certainly frustrating for horsemen and horse players alike that uh, the turf course has been such a mess there. I would hope that uh, the people down there would have given a call to Butch Lear, the old, the, the former uh, track super who I got to know when I was down at Kentucky Downs, and just to get some expertise from him, I think that uh, I mean he does wonders with grass courses. Not saying that. Jamie Richardson and his crew don't, don't but uh, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on a course. And I think that Butch is a guy that, uh, I mean, I'm not going to call him the green thumb, but maybe he is the green thumb. I just contradicted myself. But uh, uh, I hope that for everyone's sake, because they poured a lot of money into that, and, you know, you, you want everyone to be safe. You want it to be a competitive, a course that's competitive and fair for everybody else. And I'm hopeful that it is. Hey, Tim, you're right. Butch Lear should be on retainer for every racetrack in America. Best track man of all time. I agree with that 100%. Well, if you guys remember, too, when the turf course was first debuted, the response and the feedback from Horseman was very, very positive. People were really liking it, and then things went south kind of quickly after that. So if they can get it back to where it was when it was first installed and you know take it to the next level, make it safe, make it, make it uh, consistent, that course is going to be really, really good. It has a nice foundation to it. Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, it was nice when you ran over it, but it just couldn't hold up. It's right. got to be nice for a long period of time. All right, we'll bring Nick Zito back into the mix for that segment again <coughs> next Saturday morning here on I Ask the Answer. But a couple more topics to get to. And this next one, I think this is going to be really interesting, guys, that the Horse Racing Hall of Fame has asked voters to submit up to four candidates to be considered for this year's Hall of Fame ballot, the final Hall of Fame ballot. And these can be any combination of horses, jockeys, and trainers. Last year's finalists that were not elected to the Hall of Fame are automatically going to be presented to the nominating committee for initial consideration. So let's go ahead and start there. Which of the following horses not elected last year are most surprising? You had Blind Luck, Game on Dude, Harvard de Grace, Kona Gold, Lady Eli, 
and rags to riches. Timmy, which of those is most surprising to you? Well, the one that's most surprising to me is rags to riches because I've always been I've been on on the hill with rags to riches ever since she became eligible. But some people poo-poo her record. You know, she only raced seven times. She had five wins though, and remember, she won the Belmont Stakes, one of the the first filly in a hundred some odd years to do it. Granted, a lot of fillies don't try the Belmont. It's only been twenty four of them, but she was phenomenal, beating a horse of the year in Curlin, and. For me, I, I, I cannot fathom why Rags to Riches is not in. I would put her in for sure. And the other ones of that group that I think that should be in are, I think Haver de Grasse should be in. She's uh, one of only two fillies that have won to beat the boys in the Woodward. She was a horse of the year in 2011. I mean, Lady Eli, I mean, the just the, the resiliency of that filly alone. I mean, she almost died, and then she came back and, and became – you know, after she stepped on a nail in um, <clears throat> 2015, I think it was, and then came back, it came back and 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 just continued to win. Um, and, and you know, the other one, Kona Gold, I think for me, I think that she's yeah, he's a sprinter, but the sprinters don't get a lot of respect. Um, 26. Of his 30 starts, he had over 100 buyer, and he did it for a long time. I mean, he he was a very, very, very fast horse, but he didn't get the respect that I think he should get in, too. So those would be the ones that I think should have a chance to get, back, get in the Hall of Fame. All deserve it. First of all, if you're a Philly that wins horse of the year, you should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care who you are. And if you're a Philly that wins a classic, you should end up in the Hall of Fame. You can knock how many times she started, but Flightline didn't start many times, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Kona Gold, I say it every time we bring him up, he should be in just because he's named after a strain of marijuana. Um, (laughs) You know my theory on the Hall of Fame? Put them all in. We know that. They have to build the Hall of Fame in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, right. I, I well, was surprised. Fine. They're all great horses. They all should be in. I, I don't know how Game On Dude isn't getting more respect for what he did. I, I think that he certainly deserves to be in there. And Timmy mentioned Rags to Riches. I think, yeah, she's another one. Absolutely deserves to be in there and have her plaque in Saratoga. How about on the trainer side? Here are the following trainers not elected last year. Which of those are the most surprising to not get in? Yeah, Christophe Clement, Kieran McLaughlin, uh, Graham Motion, Doug O'Neill, John Sadler, and John Sheriff. Dale, as a, a former trainer, which of those strikes you as most surprising that they wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? I consider every one of them friends. Every one of them should be in there again. I hate to cop out on you, but uh, I don't know. You know, Kristoff's had a great – all of them have had great careers. You look at Graham, he's won the Derby, won the Dubai World Cup. Um, all deserving candidates. The problem is it's hard to get in, especially if you put that many people on a ballot and you have to get a certain percentage of the vote. It gets fragmented. I, I think they should look at how they put them in for one. But I'm going to say put them all in. I'm not going to pick one of my friends out of the group and yes. uh, over the others. Timmy, it's everybody that gets at least 51% of the vote. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, the the, the group that you, <clears throat> excuse me, the group that you mentioned all deserve it. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I, I mean it's, it's almost like, well, what's the criteria you're looking for? Do you have to win a bunch of derbies? Do you have to be a dominant Breeders' Cup uh, 
Eckhart, a winner, a winning trainer. Um, I mean, you look at the longevity of the, these guys. Uh, I mean, all of them are in the top 20, I believe, in, in, in earnings. And, you know, like, uh, I mean, John Sheriffs, God, he trained a great Zenyatta. I mean, he trained uh, Giacomo. Um, you know, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and he, he, he doesn't – he gets overlooked. I, I just don't understand – what the criteria that they think that there should be, is there a criteria or is it just, uh, you know, people that betting, uh, betting people just choosing who they think is the best trainer, but is there a criteria that, that, that they should be looking at? I don't know, but uh, like all of them have the credentials to be in the hall of fame. Um, Doug O'Neill's won the Derby twice. Um, he's got five breeders cup wins, um, what is the is the cutoff point? I mean, it's it, it behooves me a little bit that uh, some of these guys have waited as long as they've had waited. So I, I, I'll leave it. Do at you that. agree it's the process as much as anything that these guys all uh, steal from each other's votes? And if you put that many on a ballot, it's hard to get in. Maybe. I mean, it's uh, it, it didn't used to be like this how they would do it. Um, uh, maybe there's too many people on the ballot. Um, <laughs> again, it's above my, above my pay grade, but uh, I don't know how they, why there's so many that they they put on put on it, and you know someone's going to be left out if that's the case. Yeah. How about how about some potential new candidates coming up this year? You have jockey Joel Rosario, who is going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame for the first time in 2024, and then our old friend Perry Utes. Fifth all-time in wins with 7,419. To me, I think Joel is is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Perry Utes, I think, should be in, but he's kind of, you know, that big fish in a small pond kind of uh, uh, kind of guy where he's just had so much success, but he hasn't had it on the big stage. But, man, you win 7,419 races as a jockey, I think you're a Hall of Famer. What do you guys think? I agree. And then you got to think about a guy like David Gall and there's others out there that did it on the smaller circuits. Dale Beard, uh, second all-time now to Steve Asmussen is from trainers. But I, I personally think those guys should be in. But you'll say I'm too lenient on the call. So. Yeah, I, I mean, with Perry's case, you know, the thing that hurts him is, like, again, he's he, not on the big circuit. And, yep. you know, and that's not his fault. I mean, he – I mean, I, I don't know. Could he have gone – and, and, and been successful somewhere else. Maybe he didn't want to go somewhere else, but he's done it for a long time in, in the same places. And, you know, there's a Hall of Fame career. It says Hall of Fame career. He's done it his whole career. I mean, Richard Migliori, I've been on his soapbox before. He belongs in the Hall of Fame, if you ask me. I mean, he's the leading rider in 12 different meets in New York. And, you know, yeah, he doesn't have a triple crown win. Is that what keeps him out? But he had a Hall of Fame career because he did it day in and day out. Um, he, he had over, I mean, almost 100, I think just shy of 180 graded stakes wins. He was the, he was the apprentice, he won the Apprentice Eclipse Award. I mean, this is, he's a guy that I think deserves to be in. Um, I just don't understand. The, again, the criteria. What, what do you have to do to be in the Hall of Fame? Do you have to win the Derby twenty times? Do you have to? Uh, do you have to? Uh, 
you know, be a Breeders' Cup uh, champion every every year. And yeah, it's um, it's not black and white, Timmy. It's not cut and dry like that. It's very subjective when you're going through and looking at the resumes of those that are presented. It's a career. Like again, it's a career. What did you do during your career? Yeah. And a yeah. lot of these guys that are not in, that should be in, had phenomenal careers. Nolan Ryan's in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He never won the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I that's it. Do, no, you, do you, do you no, say that you have to win a Triple Crown sorry, race or a Breeders' on, Cup race? I'm sorry. Nolan Ryan, I think, won the World Series with the Mets in 69. Sorry about that. Yep. But you know what I'm saying. Yep. Well, I think Dale Romans is deserved being on the ballot, too. And when you look at the trainers that are – not on the ballot, at least not yet. Mike Maker, Scott Lake, Tom Amos, Ken McPeak, and Dale Romans are names that pop into the to the top standings list when you're scrolling through. And uh, Dale, I, I think we should nominate you for the Hall of Fame. Well, I would take it. I'd give a good speech. It'd be entertaining. <laughs> the one thing about all those names you mentioned, right? Of the ones that are that are that you just mentioned. Which one of them has an Eclipse Award? Mm-hmm. I'm probably yep. the only Eclipse Award winning trainer that's eligible for Hall of Fame that's not in there. Uh, you may be. And another yeah. name I always want to throw out there, I think Barkley Tag should get some consideration. Definitely. I mean, yeah. definitely should. He's he's uh, one of the very few trainers that has won each Triple Crown race. And if that's a criteria, he should be in. Yes, he should. Yep, I agree with you. I think Barkley definitely needs to be uh, be on the ballot somewhere. All right, guys, let's uh, wrap this one up. We're down to about the final two and a half minutes. It's time for Dale and Tim to end the show the way we do every week by making their final point of the week. Timmy, I'll come to you first this week. What is your final point on this Saturday morning? Well, we have the Eclipse Awards this week, and I'm going to say that I think that the biggest slam dunk in the Eclipse Awards is going to be Irad Ortiz winning for the jockey. And I think the closest race is going to be for Horse of the Year. And I think Cody's Wish is going to edge out Wade Barrio with idiomatic third. Mm. I'm going to say I'm going to the Eclipse Awards this year for the first time since I won the Eclipse in 2013. But... Nice. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be fun. It, should be, it might be entertaining, so everybody should tune in and watch, see what kind of fireworks go off. And the uh, last thing I want to say is Chester was fine. Matt Dillon came in and saved the day like Tim does every week. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Dale Romans, the Gunsmoke Master. Uh, fantastic stuff. Guys, appreciate it. Dale, Tim, enjoy the weekend. We're going to do it all over again next weekend, and good luck at the windows. All right, thanks, Take care of Dodge City for us. Got it covered. Headed to Miss Kitty's. All right, if you have a topic you want to hear Dale and Tim discuss, email that topic to us, Mike at horseracingradio.net. We'll get it worked into the show. I Ask the Answer is presented every week by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network, where racing comes to talk.